So with edition number two of 2022, I get lost on when New Year starts, but this is edition number two, right? Of Amateur Hour of 2022? No, this is our first. It, we just had, we have two interviews to start the new year. All right, strike that in three, two, <laughs> and 70. So with edition number one of 2022, please don't go back and edit that, by the way. With edition number one of 2022, Amateur Hour, devoted to the draft, devoted to the stories of the, the men and women behind their journeys to college or professional sports. Um, but where we've landed over the last year, I think it's safe to say, is kind of the college prospect, uh, the prospect who's thinking about the draft, the depth that goes into getting your education of being a human being, of dating, of being a son, whatever goes into being an athlete, maybe becoming a millionaire in six months. So that's, that's our show. It's edition number one of 2022. Um, Texas, Porter Brown of TCU and Austin Boast of Texas A&M. Big Texas person, are you? You're the producer of this. I show. guess. I guess so. Why not? <laughs> well, with the look, first of all, I, I had no idea that the Porter Brown discussion would go to where it went. And we love the folks at TCU, the SID staff that helped you line all this up. But um, they need to add some lines in his bio, respectfully, because we learned basically, first of all, we learned he's incredibly well-spoken, good-looking. He may be an actor someday for all we know, <laughs> but he also may be a doctor someday, which was like, wow, a doctor someday. That was an incredible interview. He buried the lead. We talked all about baseball, all about the adversity he'd faced. He was so transparent about his time on Cape Cod and that experience and not being the player he wanted to be, what he took from that. He didn't even play at the beginning of last season. He didn't see any playing time. He goes and ends up being the big 12 MVP. And then at the end of the interview, he shares what his major is with both of our jaws dropped and that his parents are veterans. And really that's a whole nother layer of the onion that we didn't even peel back. And I, I think we do, you know, want to be able to add that to his, his bio on TCU's baseball's website so that people know that this man is brains and brawn. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Loved Porter Brown and, and, and in the same you know vein, but a different young man, Austin boast was incredible too. I think it's interesting when you're kind of, and Austin, please don't take offense to this. Um, but my old broadcast partner, Bill Schroeder, used to refer to himself this way, former major league catcher. He said, look, I'm that pair of slippers in the closet that doesn't get shined like the Saturday night dress shoes or the work boots that I have to keep sturdy and strong. I'm that just that comfortable pair that gets taken for granted in the back. Now, you're not taken for granted, sir, with what you accomplished. That being said, you're kind of one of the guys that's still there. Brand new coach, brand new staff. Transfer, 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 transfer. You like play for the Cape Cod League at Texas A&M. I think it's cool. I think it's cool that he's been there. I think it's cool. Like his fan, like you dove in on the perfect question. Why are you here? And after he named 75 relatives, four babysitters, <laughs> and, and, you know, people from his church that all went to Texas A&M, like it's cool to kind of be that comfortable pair of slippers while everyone else around you is new. It's pretty cool. He's going to be that stabilizing factor for this team that there's so much new and this dude's not old, but he, I think he earned veteran status. And the fact that his brother plays football at AM, he's one of the quarterbacks there. I mean, talk about a powerhouse family, his sister, who is so smart and could go play college soccer potentially in a couple of years and the fact that the rich family history is there i mean this guy was destined to end up here and maybe he's the guy who's going to take them all the way he could do it 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm really a fan. And he's a self-made player. Um, I don't want to get lost in that. I think all of us in our business, especially when I was calling games in the big leagues, you get lazy with words like chemistry and self-made player. But he kind of is. Nobody wanted him out of high school on the professional side. You look on his PG page, he's, there's no ranking applied at all. And he went to three PG events, no ranking at all. And he's got a chance of being an All-American. He was, he was the player of the year in the California Collegiate League. He's truly the story of using college as a development tool. Um, I love Dan McDonald. He's coming on this show, Perfect Game College Baseball, our Sirius XM radio show every Tuesday night uh, on ESPNU. We're going to move that to a streaming show on Perfect Game TV with Hunter Pence. But Hunter Pence and Louisville's Dan McDonald, I mean, there's talk about transparency. I know you're going to pick a part out of that conversation where what an honest coach about not having the year they wanted to last year. I, I'm, I'm scared for those that have to play Louisville this year. I'll just put it that way. Oh my gosh. No, I am going to, I'm going to pick, I I'm the one who gets to pick the piece well, of the, the conversation. Producer. Yes. You're the senior executive producer of this podcast. That's a new title I've heard. So we're going to have to talk about that after this, but I do know that those two combined, that's a conversation that I am tuning everything out for and tuning in hardcore to hear what those two had to say for sure. I know you put Jared, Jared, uh, Jared, uh, Jared, uh, where's my, where's my words? Jared Goodwin, Jeremy Brown, Brian Sikowski, please don't edit that either. Vinny Servino, because then they can listen and be like offended that I don't remember their names that I've worked with for years. But I know you put all four scouts to work and they all have different perspectives heading into the college season, you know, wrapping up the last big showcase of the year in 2021. There's a lot of things to be scouted. I love the fact that you have all four senior scouts on this podcast. Yeah, it was a no doubter for me to start the season giving these guys the platform because they've been working really, really hard putting out preseason D1 top 25s, preseason collegiate All-Americans, preseason colleges. I mean, these guys went to work and then Jeremy recapping main events as well as Jared and giving us an insight into what happened there because we saw some really special things. And that's that's the next wave. That's the next generation of kids who are coming up who are still fighting for college spots and and figuring all that out. But I of course, I mean they're the they're the heartbeat. So I wanted to make sure all four of them, you know, we have a lot more David Ronsley, of course, we have a whole group of guys, but those guys have been consistent. So I wanted to get them on here. Yeah. You kind of excluded David. Sorry, David. Yeah, David and we have a lot of, uh, gosh, Todd Coffey who pitched in the big leagues, Tim Redding who pitched in big leagues. These guys are going to start scouting too. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll bother those guys. But at the end of this podcast, I have a, a big announcement to make about another podcast. Wow. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. I'm really excited about our next guest because I want to ask him one simple question. It's a question he got asked at kind of the early stages of, of summer of 2021. And so I'm going to ask it simply, who's this Porter Brown guy and where did he come from? Because... We heard, we thought we heard about him a couple of years ago, but then we don't know where he went. So who is this Porter Brown guy and where did he come from? Is that where I start talking? <laughs> yeah. I love, yeah. I love it. So Please sorry. keep rolling super, on this. Please keep rolling confused. on this. I was super confused. Uh, Darren, Danny, thank you for having me. My name's Porter I Brown. Love Please I'm let in. this keep rolling. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm an outfielder here at TCU, uh, Texas Christian <laughs> University, for all the people that don't know what TCU stands for. Uh, very, very confusingly, I'm <laughs> academically a senior, but with all these weird accolades I have, I'm a red shirt, COVID red shirt sophomore. If that makes draft sense. eligible though, draft, draft eligible. eligible, draft eligible 
red shirt, red shirt, COVID, all that stuff. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's interesting, right? You, you, you win the MVP of the big 12 championship and that's a major feather in anybody's hat, no matter what, what you classify yourself as or what class you're in. But I think part of that journey was failure and not failure as in you didn't perform, but failure in a, a pretty serious shoulder injury being hit by a pitch in that same year. We all thought COVID was bad. It was terrible, but many were able to thrive during COVID. You had a hard time with, with serious injuries. So going through injury or failure, we'll put it all together in one thing, right? I mean, quite frankly, we'll put it all together in one thing. How much deeper are you? How much more patient are you in your work? How much better are you because you went through 2020? Not the COVID thing, but the injuries. Honestly, I feel like having injuries in my baseball career, obviously you mentioned the shoulder, uh, my freshman year, tore and labrum in my right shoulder, and then getting hit by a pitch in the hand, my COVID year and breaking my hand has really like turned me into like a, just a relentless work ethic kind of person. Like after and following the injuries and stuff like that, I mean, just doing the physical therapy is just so rough and like every single day being really consistent and in strengthening your shoulder or your hands or grip strength and stuff like that and making sure you're doing the exercises and whatever the physician uh, physicians or the uh, PT people like prescribe in a workout, like make sure you do every single rep and stuff like that. It's just like that. I've seen that kind of like turn and relate to baseball and how I'm working out in baseball and in in practice and stuff like that. And also has like aided me in my recovery process. So like obviously like experiencing injuries and stuff like that, I got to do a little bit more above and beyond to make sure my body's like adequately like warmed up and ready to go and ready to play. Like if that's like stretching, uh, shoulder recovery and shoulder care and like making sure I'm like nice and ready to go and making sure I'm working out all the tiny little muscles and stuff like that, like before I'm playing a baseball game. So we go from somebody who quote unquote, hadn't really, you know, been in a slump in high school, experienced what a, a slump felt like, what it felt like to just be in the thick of a moment that you wish you could sprint out of, but instead you're just slowly crawling, right? You hadn't had that experience yet. And then your first three years in college, it's not only uh, as an athlete, but as a student, as uh, a teenager heading into your early twenties, being in, you know, on a great campus at a great school, you know, it's all these combined things, all these different experiences that you're having, man, you've been through it. Like you shared your story with us. You've been through it and you've seen a lot now, but you, you were quoted in an article saying, that you just got hot at the right time concerning your big 12 MVP award, but you helping lead your team. You hadn't even played in the first half of last season. And then you come in, it's not just getting hot at the right time that that takes effort. There's a lot of backstory there. So, so if you could just kind of expand on what it means to get hot at the right time, but what are the tangible things that it took to get there? Absolutely. Uh, so obviously on TV, a lot of people saw me play like towards the, like the ending of the season and stuff like that. And they see me doing well and succeeding, but they don't know all the stuff that went into that. And not only did that, like, did I just wake up like a week before I started doing well and like got like super good and hot at the right time. <laughs> this is like something that I've been working on, like in the fall, like in baseball, like we are doing workouts and stuff in the fall and doing hitting and working on mechanics and efficiency 
and power and hitting and approaches all in the fall season before spring is even close to sniffing uh, a real a real game or a real game like scenario where it really counts in spring like all this work and stuff is put on in the fall and not only is it put on the fall all fall ball through inner squads and stuff like that you go in the winter time which is a very crucial point for a lot of college baseball and a lot of college athletes where you are no longer on college campus. You're no longer uh, uh, held uh, accountable by coaches or coaching staff or strength coaches. You are independently on your own when you go home and you're expected to put in the work and do the work in order to get better. Because if you, as a baseball player, you put all this work into the fall, you spend all winter, which is like winter break, about like two, three weeks, four weeks, doing absolutely nothing, you now put all the work in the fall and you go backwards during the winter time and you show up in the spring and now you have nothing to show for it. Nothing you like the game knows and stuff like that, but you, uh, the game knows and it shows on the field that you didn't put any work in the winter time. Mm -hmm. So you put in a lot of work in the fall, you put a lot of work in the winter and not only just like whatever you want, like stuff to like actually help you and get 1% better each day. And you come out in the spring and you show the team and the squad what you've been doing in the winter. And it shows in our squad and it shows in, in, in the beginning of the season. And then it carries you on to the middle of the season and it carries you on into the ending and, and whatnot. Put us in your shoes. Like describe how hard it is to stand out on a college baseball team. I mean, you're, you're not, you know, the best, I mean, you are the best, but you know, when you're in high school, you maybe sometimes are a bigger fish in a smaller pond, a small, whatever it may be, but now you're in college with the best of the best, right? You're all really good at what you do, but how hard is it to stand out on a college baseball team? It is very difficult to stand out on a college baseball team. I mean, like you already mentioned, you have the best high schoolers, essentially of your best high school team take that best player and put them with all the other best players on their high school teams. And essentially you have a college baseball program at any level. The competition's crazy. Everyone's work ethic is crazy. Everyone's passion about the game is crazy. You know, like you all have a, an elite pool of elite players that all have elite talent. Now what separates you on a baseball field from all the other people is doing things abnormally. Mm. So like pretty much like you have your elite work ethic, elite people, what makes you different? Like, do you get to the field super ridiculous early compared to people that just get there from a time A to time B and just put in the minimal work? Are you putting in way more than the minimal than the average person? Are you going in there and working on your craft, working on the things that people say don't matter, like base running? We at TCU work on base running a a, a lot, a crap ton, <laughs> a crap ton. Cause like in base running, like the difference between like turning a corner and, and getting uh, an extra two or three steps is a difference between a bang, bang play at third or a bang, bang play at home, which like, and essentially like that's an RBI or a person in good scoring position and stuff like that, or like learning how to properly steal bases. One thing in high school that was completely different that I learned from college baseball to, to high school, right? In high school, you just, you just play, like, just play the game. You just play to do. Like, you go out there and you do things. But when you get to college baseball, you know why you do certain things. And your baseball savviness, like, increases a ton 
So when I was in high school, I was like, yeah, let me just run the bases. I knew what to do. Like, let me do this on a hit and run. Let me do this in this situation. You want to hit it over here or whatever. But in college baseball, you actually know and figure out like why certain things work. Why is this work this way? Why do we do this way? And it makes you think about the game differently and you kind of go on like, and you, you start thinking for yourself, essentially, like you'll be on the base and be like, oh, I should do A in this situation because blank. And it's crazy. It's a great answer. So if I'm, if, if I'm putting a, a side swing uh, camera on you, super slow-mo, not super, but slow-mo enough, and I'm, I'm looking at your swing and you're watching it with me and you're just knocking balls off a tee, basically, and we're watching your swing, evaluating your swing. And you say, Sut, this is the good one. This is, this is my swing when things are right. See these moving parts from my left-handed swing? These are the things that are going right for me when I'm really hitting the baseball. What are those things that you're showing me? Okay, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say this first. I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect baseball player. My swing is, has a lot of stuff to work on and stuff like nice. that. But when, when I'm going good, I'm getting in good hitting positions. I'm on time for the fastball. I'm slotting my backside really well. I'm rotating in a box, which is like, I'm not, I'm not leaning or I'm not swinging on my backside. I'm kind of balanced uh, with my weight. I'm slotting real well. I'm swinging in a box. I'm staying hands super tight to the body. And uh, I make good contact at, at like right at my body. If that makes sense. Makes all the sense in the world. How, how challenging were the 25 games in the Cape in which you played this year? How rewarding to get that call, number one, because that's an honor. Um, I would love to have gotten that call. Never got that call. How rewarding to get that call, number one. And number two, to see really good pitching, to deal with that kind of level of challenge. How challenging and rewarding were those games? I was really excited to get a call from Cape Cod. I mean, Cape Cod baseball is every, like, professor, or not professor, every collegiate baseball player's dream uh, to go over there and get a chance and see the beautiful nice. scenery of of Cape Cod, very beautiful area, uh, by the way. And uh, playing in the Cape Cod League, very challenging. I mean, you got the best of the best talent there, best pitchers, best hitters, and stuff like that. I remember getting there, and uh, the first couple weeks, I don't think we saw a pitcher below 95. And, it, like, that stuff excites me, where it's like you get to get an honest evaluation on where you stand against elite talent and elite pitching. And, you know, like when you go to a really uh, elite and competitive league like that, like you got to get ready to bite the bullet too. like everything's not going to be sugarcoated for you. Like you will get exposed, you will get tested, and that should only make you more excited because at that point, challenging yourself like that is only going to make you a better baseball player. And in my case, I'm not going to lie, I was challenged in, in summer league against Cape Cod. You know, I did not hit the best. I did not hit really well. I feel like I performed very subpar, uh, but in the end, like I learned a lot from Cape Cod. And I, I, one thing it did tell me for sure is like against elite pitching, I'm not the player I want to be there yet. So he went back yeah, to the lab to get better. Yeah, and you, 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 you always are upbeat because I follow, I love following you guys in the Cape, no matter where I'm at. And you were on one of the sizzle videos for Brewster. I think you guys won the title, right? I mean, isn't that right? Oh yeah, Cape Cod, Cape Cod chance. So the sizzle, the sizzle with the the W. Like, how did you? You were always doing the W. Like, I can't oh my like, gosh. do that. It was oh, great. So, so I know this is an audio. Look, stuff. how does how do you do shout that? Out, it's so easy, out, Darren. <laughs> shout out to Will who designed that video after every <laughs> single game. It was just the thing that started off literally. 
the first game, it was just like, oh, that's a white caps dub. And you just cross your <laughs> ring and your middle finger and make like a little W. That's a white caps dub. Right. That's where it started uh, off at. And then after saying. every win, we just say, I look at the camera, straight face and say, that's a white caps dub. And then when he made the video at the end of the year, it was just a compilation of like, every single that's a white cap stub and like the best <laughs> moments i love that video and shout out to will and everyone who helped make that video because that's a sick video i love that. i love that video too dude i love that <laughs> i still can't do this properly with the fingers but i love it too one day porter when we we meet you in person we'll you'll have to give darren an in person tutorial on how to do that absolutely once you only have three fingers available you start learning how to use those pretty well yes i knew it dude this is great it sounds like you despite i mean you learned a lot right no matter i feel like even if you aren't the best that you want to be you still got so much out of that experience, so much out of that moment. And you're playing with the best of the best. Was there a dude there who maybe if, even if you didn't see the results did help elevate your game or, or you felt like raised the bar as far as your level of play? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, specifically on our team, I want to shout out to the Brewster Whitecaps coaching staff because despite me having a very terrible season, like they really stuck with me and kept me on the team uh all summer actually even though I was, I was just a tent player I could have been gone literally any second but they decided to keep me and uh they really wanted to help me but uh when I was struggling on the team people that helped me were like hitters like uh Zach Neto he's part of Campbell like Spencer Spencer Jones goes to Vanderbilt uh Chad Castillo goes to CBU uh Chris like a bunch of a bunch of the hitters uh Chris is at Arkansas now but uh shout out to him but a lot of the hitters and sorry if I didn't mention your name and you're listening to this is <laughs> Dylan Carter. Can't forget DC really big one, but a lot of the dudes, I was kind of just talking and, and kind of seeing their mentality on dudes that were doing really well in the Cape, uh, kind of seeing their mentality on, on like, what, what do you, what's your approach? What do you try to hammer? Is it beyond time for fastballs kind of TCU's model, but what does Vanderbilt teach you? What do they think? Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, what, what, like, do you do to be successful? And I, we'd all go to the cage, like, super early before a game. Like, we'd show up, like, an hour before everyone else was supposed to show up for hitting. And we'd just be on the, the machine that literally pitched crazy, like, DeGrom fastballs and crazy sinkers at about 101. And every once in a while, mix in a cutter. Uh, it was like a little hack attack machine, but it was one cage hack attack machine in Cape Cod. Like that's the life and getting absolutely blown up by the hack attack from 50 feet away. was really sick, but off, off the team, like a lot of pitchers that challenged me, I knew, um, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot his name Crawford from Yukon. He was, he was like a really good lefty pitcher. He pitched for, uh, uh, born born okay really good i know um the firebirds uh had a quite quite a few good pitchers uh that were really good and, and uh just, chatham and chatham just a quick follow-up darren you you mentioned something porter that you were asking guys a guy from vanderbilt you know how do you guys do it is that is that a common because obviously you have secrets to your team right you guys have 
things that are special to you. You have tips and tricks that your coaching staff is giving you. Is that something that doesn't happen? Like gatekeeping is not happening and it's a good thing because you guys are sharing different ways to be successful. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's all, it's all hitting philosophies and stuff like that. And we're kind of just sharing like, Hey, here's a tip and trick. Like I see you struggling. Uh, like here, try this out. Maybe this will start clicking something in your head or clicking something you're swinging. Maybe you'll start hitting it or seeing it. Well, just little tips and pointers here and there. It's not necessarily like, Oh, this is how you beat Vanderbilt. Like, or this is how you beat TCU. Like, you know, it's just little tips and pointers there. That's awesome. Love that. Reggie Crawford, by the way. He's Reggie like, Crawford. <laughs> yes. Reggie Crawford's his yeah. name. Reggie Crawford is really disgusting good left-handed pitcher and a really, really good, good hitter too. Yes. I remember <laughs> I faced him and he threw me uh, a 98 upper 90 fastball, fouled it off. And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm on him. And I'm, I was, I'm up there like, I'm just going to cheat fastballs. Like, he's going to throw a hundred. He's going to try to beat me with fastballs. Second pitch throws an 83 mile power slider at my hip and just almost buckles me on my knees. And I'm looking at the catcher, like, like, seriously, dude, like you're going to throw a slider. Like the dude throws a hundred, you're going to throw a 98 and throw a 83 slider for a strike just on black. He's like, sorry, dude, he throws that too. You got to hit it. And then throws a hundred fastball up and in swing and miss. And I literally walked back to the dugout three pitches, but it was an experience. I could say I saw a hundred. Yeah, you did. And you'll see it again, by the way. You'll see it again. <laughs> let, let, me come, let, me, let me come home with you for one second. Uh, your siblings, am I saying it right if I say Asia? Is that correct? Yes, Asia? Asia. Asia. Asia and Jackson and your parents are, are Dwayne and Crystal. Yes, sir. Um, and we just wrapped the holidays, right? I mean, uh, tell me the ages of your siblings, by the way. My brother is 23 and my sister okay. is 28. Okay, so we just wrapped the holidays, and at some point, I'm sure you guys all got together. I hope you were able to. Um, what, what's that gathering like? T take me inside the, the Brown household and, and let me know some of the things that are discussed and maybe the, the meals that are enjoyed. Take, let, me, let me come home with you just for a minute and uh, let me know what your home is like. Okay, so ironically that you're talking about family stuff like that, this was the first Christmas we spent like separated. We had a separated family Christmas because my sister's dog uh had something wrong with it and she couldn't travel to uh san antonio with us so my mom instead flew over to denver okay and spent christmas Aww. with her so it was just the boys in san antonio and our san antonio house and then the girls uh spent the christmas in denver okay but okay. Uh, my mom like... my mom oh it was fun like honestly like the the dude side of the family is kind of just chill enjoying football like very sporty, like, you know, we just sit around the couch era and stuff like that. It is, it was just very laid back and relaxing. I, I couldn't tell you what they did over there in Denver. I have no idea, but uh, my mom yeah, came back. They're respecting the dog and loving the dog. I give yes, them credit for respecting that. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry the dog, the dog was ill. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, my mom came back a couple of days after Christmas. And when she came Obviously, like I was doing an internship in a hospital, so she wanted to hear like all that and like how my experiences was shadowing a doctor and stuff like that. And uh, like, I feel like I feel like the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the environment, how our team, how our house functions, the functioning of our house or whatever. Like my dad's like the really like calm, relaxed, 
like sit on his spot on the couch and like watch his shows like you don't touch his remote or his tv when he's like really into something and then there's my mom who's like the super upbeat like talking like talkative like super like prancy around the house like happy like wants to know where everyone is and like what everyone's doing and stuff like that and then me and my brother are kind of the same we're wild cards sometimes we'll be like (laughs) my dad where it's like super calm and relaxed and sometimes we'll be like my mom where it's like oh super upbeat sociable like extroverted kind of and then my sister is kind of like she when she's in the house setting she spends a lot of her time with my mom and like kind of downstairs but she has her room upstairs and she's the only room upstairs so she'll spend some time downstairs with the family and then when she like needs to recharge something like that like she'll go upstairs but like a, a regular wintertime holiday like brown's household oh we get into scrabble it is <laughs> it is competitive scrabble like no other and like uh-huh. kind of ironic because like you don't think of like scrabble as like oh like let's just like who says let's play scrabble nowadays <laughs> our household says let's play scrabble and we get out the cards and everything and it is it's so intense that now when you want to make up a word it goes through the merriam-webster dictionary as a check if it's in there it, it goes if it's not in there, it is not, it is not a word. Even, even slang words or whatever nowadays people say, whatever, like it's got to go through the dictionary for it to be valid. You realize what you just did, by the way, with that answer, you answered my very first question where we got stuck and we had a little fun with it. (laughs) Who's this Porter Brown guy. You just answered it right there with your family (laughs) gathering. Now we know who this Brown guy is. I love that. What a wonderful answer. I know Danny, we've gone way over on time, but I got to get one more to, you know, and then if you have one more, but go for it, but you, you, you slid something in there. There's no way I'm going to let it go. There's no way. (laughs) Explain to me your, explain to your, explain to me your internship because I'm intrigued beyond intrigued. Uh, What do you want to do with the rest of your life? Uh, outside uh, of baseball we get we yes, get you want to yes. play in the big leagues let me put that on a shelf right but if you're doing Absolutely. internship and you're learning from doctors expound upon that please so i am a neuroscience major here at tcu which is crazy like a lot of time management and time balancing and stuff like that like obviously there's days where i gotta super focus on homework and can't get behind grades but like you know at the other side of it like i gotta be an athlete and go i go to practice and have full seasons and like that. So this, this winter I was shadowing and observing a cardiologist, uh, for, for eventually like hours to get into med med school. Uh, you got to have observation hours for medical school. Uh, I'm a senior, uh, graduating senior this May, uh, with hopefully a neuroscience degree. I'm almost done with my neuroscience degree. And, uh, eventually I'll take the MCAT, uh, following my, uh, hopefully uh, career in professional baseball. And I want to, go to medical school and be an orthopedic surgeon and uh, kind of specialize. And I don't know yet if I'm going to be do elbows, shoulders, knees, but I kind of want to stay with uh, baseball players and baseball athletes, uh, you know, and kind of work on um, maybe uh, shoulders, elbows, I'm not too sure. But uh, I also do want to be a surgeon through the military as well, because uh, both my parents are retired uh, army. Wow. Amazing answer. Um, I'd like to petition to put this because it's not on your bio in, on your school profile. I'd like to petition to put at least your major that is so <laughs> impressive on your bio. Like, yeah, can we yeah. get that fixed. <laughs> it, gets, it gets a lot of people off guard. They're like, whoa, like, 
like neuroscience that's crazy like, dude that's yeah. awesome that uh that's probably I want the audio because i'm i want the audio of this danny we'll call off of the article i'll write the article because like yeah. I, this is a, this is uh this is incredible insightful i've had fun i've had a lot of fun with you yeah i have one more one <laughs> more Absolutely. and then we're gonna let you go because i Keep did ask going. you about your first name your first name uh tell us about it because it, it's so unique i love it tell us how how you were named porter yeah, so Porter, if you ask the average person, would probably say it's a last name kind of thing, your last name kind of deal. But my dad named me Porter after the composer Cole Porter. I think he, uh, I don't, I, okay, so I'm, I'm telling you my, my guilty truth. I've never listened to his actual music yet, even though I was, I was named after him. But I have listened to Eye of the Storm where he's mentioned in there. So okay. if that, if that kind of counts a little bit, but it yes, counts. Cole Porter. Darren, are you familiar with Cole Porter? No, just as familiar as Wikipedia in front of my face. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not going to fake I'm it. Legend, legend, legendary on Broadway, legendary composer, you know, and impactful his entire life with music. So uh, a lot of Broadway success, certainly in the thirties, forties, fifties. So that's, that's, that's awesome. a big league namesake. Uh, we're going to rewrite your bio. So we're gonna <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, well, and also, you know, your parents, thank you so much for their service. Like they raised a great kid, man. Yes. So let them know that we think that. And thanks for sharing everything with us. This was so great. And have the, have a great season, stay healthy. We'll, we'll be reaching back out. I I'm sure of it Porter, but thank you for spending some time with us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. So there is no perfect game event like main event. It's unique because it's during the holidays when things feel quiet. It's loud in Fort Myers. Danny, you, you know you were there. You know you produced all of our video content. But there's more than 1,000 athletes. There's non-commits, 13, 14. And then there's that underclass factor that goes into it. Jeremy Brown got out his scout's notebook and shared with us who stood out amongst 1,000 athletes. That means you're good. We survived another year of the main event showcases from the uncommitted, underclass, 13U, and 14U. And I'm here just to touch upon a couple of the standouts that I saw during my time down in Fort Myers. We'll begin with the uh, the underclass, Ariston VC. He was on my field for catcher drills, and simply put, it's a bazooka of an arm. Threw 86 miles per hour down to second base, which is just absurd for a senior, let alone somebody heading into their sophomore year. Jumped on the mound, low 90s heater, has gotten a lot more physical, and that's uh, that's kind of a trend we saw throughout with every player in attendance that I had seen prior to. You got Jaron Purify, the Michigan commit top 100 player, two-time Select Festival alum. He looked a lot stronger. He's back out on the field after missing time this summer. He looked really good, really loose, athletic, fluid with his actions and his swing. And then even jumping down to the younger ages, you got Bubba Coleman, who committed with us on Instagram Live a couple weeks back to LSU. I just saw him a couple months back, October, and he looks like a whole new player, a lot more physical. The swing is cleaned up in Almost because of the strength, he was able to make adjustments. The armbar isn't there. He's a lot more on time, a lot stronger at the point of impact. So that was good to see. Really big takeaway there with him. Jackson Wood, one of the better 60-yard times. Really good BP round from the Deep South. A name we had known. Looks like he's taking the next step forward. Then even jumping down a little younger, the 13 new guys that I saw. Landon Green was one of the standouts. He's a 2027 commit which means he's 13U this upcoming year, 82 on the mound, 85 from the outfield, ran a 7-1, had one of the best BP rounds, 
And that's the type of player you look at and say, well, what's he going to look like in a couple months? What's he going to look like next summer during the circuit? Then just a couple more standouts at the 13U. We got Will Brick, the catcher. We got Tanner Uteritz from Florida. He really, uh, another one. We saw him last year at the 13U main event. See him again this year. Looks like he's twice the size physically. The tools have all jumped. Big time arm strength across the diamond from the outfield. And in game, just the bat stood out as much as it did during BP. So that's a quick rundown of what I saw during the main event showcase, regardless of age. And hope you guys enjoyed. So we're bringing in Austin Boast, Texas A&M left fielder. But I feel like that's really just the tip of the iceberg for you, Austin. And Darren and I are excited to dive in to kind of figure out who is this guy? Who's this leader? for Texas A&M baseball on and off the field. But I feel like to get to know the baseball player, the athlete, often we, we like to circle and start with the family. And I, we can't ignore it because your brother Blake is quarterback, one of the quarterbacks for the football team at A&M. And your Twitter timeline is just filled with pride, it seems like to me, for your brother and the fact that you are both student athletes at A&M. I mean, I can't even imagine how cool that is for your whole family, but that's a crazy dynamic being college students and being top athletes at an incredible program. So break it down for us, just what that experience is like getting to play a sport and know that your brother is doing the exact same thing at the exact same school. I mean, if I had to break it down, I would say it's a dream come true for both of us, but I mean, both of our parents came here. We have a bunch of family that came that are all Aggies and it's me and Blake's dream. His was to play football, mine was to play baseball, and we're living out that dream. And he's working really hard to win a starting job. And he had a great year as a freshman. And I'm looking to have another great year with this new team. And I, like I said before, it's just a dream. What's it like on campus? What kind of interactions do you guys have? Do you take the same classes? Like, are you spending time together in social circles together? Oh, for sure. So, he, I mean, me and him are really close. So he's really close with a lot of my friends and I'm really, I'm always going out with him. He's always at my house, but uh, when it comes to classes, I'm in mostly my core business classes now because I'm three years older than him and he's just now starting in all his basics. So we don't, unfortunately, we don't get to take the same classes, but always having him around and just having him right down the street from my house is awesome. I couldn't ask for it any better. You're a football guy too. You played for coach Faircloth as well for a while, right? Yes, sir. I played all four years. Yes, sir. Tell me about that. Tell me about the sport. Your brother still gives you the insight. You go to the games where there's 70 million people in attendance or so it feels because I've been <laughs> to just one like Texas A&M game and it's overwhelming. Um, but uh, tell me about the sport and its impact on you. How much, if you're a quilt, how many little squares of that of you are football? Well, in high school, we like our baseball offseason, we didn't have a ton of time. Like our our baseball coach was also a football coach. So when it come when it came down to like offseason and weightlifting, getting faster, stronger, being in football honestly really changed everything because I was able to lift, get better, stronger with all, with our weightlifting coach. And it just – it honestly made the biggest difference in the world. And honestly, it – I mean, adversity, everything, uh, competitiveness, everything. Just made, Honestly, I think it just made me tougher. That's what I think. And you know what else makes you tougher is when you went to Panola. I've also been to Panola, interestingly enough. Uh, I had an affinity. I was a beach SoCal guy who had this affinity for going to Seminole or Panola. I don't know why, but I thought it'd be cool to go. So I've been to Panola, been there at different times in my life. Um, that was a big part of who you were. 
coming out of Port Neches Groves High School, um, you know, that was your best option. You talk about building toughness. I'm guessing that built some toughness too. For sure. I mean, the JUCO, I'll say JUCO route is the best route because I loved my year there and I'd give everything I have to that school and those coaches and they've got me to where I am right now and I couldn't appreciate them more. What's a, what's a day in the life of a JUCO baseball player in comparison <laughs> to your current setting? Uh, it's a lot less glamour, if I had to put it that way. It's wake up, work out, go back to your dorm, go to practice, go back to your dorm. Small town, there's nothing really to do in the city. you are got a roommate. Me and my roommate made bunk beds. We have a guy right uh, – guys, uh, suite mates that are right there, and then guys right across the street. It's really close to each other, and just, like I said, it's just dorm life, if I have to put it that way. I have one more, Danny. Thank you for yeah, letting me ahead. interrupt. And then you balled, right? You balled. You're in that basic portable trailer life. That's kind of what it is, with all due respect, right? And then you balled, and then you put out, what was it, you know, May 19th of 2019, that tweet that you still have pinned, dude. That's three years ago almost. <laughs> That's how much it meant. How much did it mean to you to be able to commit? Because obviously that pin is still there at the top of your Twitter timeline. You ball at Panola, you do good things. How much did that commitment mean to you? It meant everything. Like going into Panola, the coaches asked, all right, we're, we're asking you this. Where do you want to go play baseball? And I said, my dream is to go play baseball at Texas A&M. Who was your coach there, by the way? Uh, Todd Shelton and Trevor Rainey and Grant Frills. All right, continue, continue. Yeah, and uh, so I told him, I said, my dream is playing at A&M. It always has been and always will be. And they're, okay, we'll see what we can do to make that happen. I had a couple couple other offers to uh, other schools my freshman year, but nothing that really I was going to pursue. And I was in my head, I was thinking, yeah, I might be going back to Panola for another year. And then I got a call from Seeley uh, and made me a, made me an offer that I, I couldn't refuse. And I'm an Aggie, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I have a soft spot for Juco baseball, probably because Darren and I got to cover it. A couple of years ago, yeah, I went to Grand Junction and we did the Juco World Series. And honestly, that was really my first time getting to see it up close and personal and really realize the grit and what makes it so special and why you come out of it. I think a different person, like a better person. I think that's fair to say. But then the dream was AM. And I feel like every athlete who goes there has this long family history, like more than any other school. It seems like, what are those deep roots? Who are, tell us about the people who went to A&M and how they influenced your decision to want to go there. Well, I had an uncle that actually, my grandma's brother, he actually is in the hall of fame for uh, Texas A&M basketball wow. here at A&M. So and then I have my parents that came here, an aunt that came here. I think I have five or six cousins that came to AM. I mean, we have a long list of Aggies. And my sister is – she's really, really, really smart. I think she's number one in her class right now. So she's going to be coming to AM in about two or three years. So it's just Aggie after Aggie after Aggie. And it's just been a dream really for everybody, for me and Blake to come here. And so it definitely had a big influence on family for sure. Yeah, it's it's the same every time. And I think it's like super unique to Texas A&M. I know that there are bloodlines and other colleges across the country, but this one just speaks differently. And the whole 12th man, right? The idea of the 12th man and the story behind that. Who's the 12th man in your life? 
the 12th man in my life, I would say or woman, I would say it has to be my dad. My dad, he is, I mean, he's really worked with me on every single, every single sport, but mostly baseball since I was two years old. He's always been there for me. Anytime I want to go hit, anytime I want to go throw, he's been my BP thrower since I was two. So I would, and anything I need to talk to him about at all, he's just always there for me. So I'd say my dad would probably be my 12th man in my life. You're, you're a summer ball guy too. I mean, you, you really have, uh, and I tried to do this. I only went two years into professional baseball, but uh, I tried to use summer to really grow too. And, you know, whether it was the good old fashioned Fayetteville Swamp Dogs or whether it was the California Collegiate League, I, I want to read you um, what I'm sure you've read that Perfect Game put out about your, about your performance in the Cal Collegiate League. Most outstanding player was earned by you. High energy, good motor, excellent clubhouse guy organizational type of acquisition in the 2022 draft. What does that scouting report mean to you and about you when you share back to me? I mean, it means a lot. I, I try to be the best teammate I can possibly be. And I, I, first, I want to be the best player. I can be out there putting the best out there for my team, helping us win games. But other than that, I want to be the best teammate, best friend, best leader I can possibly be in the clubhouse, on the field, bringing the energy, keeping everybody up. They're down, picking them up. If I'm down, I want somebody to pick me up. Just never showing emotion and just always showing that I'm having fun because baseball's – you don't get to play baseball forever. Might as well have fun while you're doing it. You know, what's interesting too, and, and like, you know, that last line organizational type acquisition 2022 draft, I understand what they're saying there. Um, but here's what's interesting to me about you, and please correct me. This is an open forum here. Dude, you're a multiple-time All-State baseball player, right? You won a state championship. Your numbers were laughable good in high school. But it does feel like, outside of all the numbers and all the awards, you actually have, with a blue-collar attitude, turned yourself into a prospect, right? Ken Griffey Jr. was born a prospect. Alex Rodriguez was born a prospect. Austin Boast has turned himself into a prospect. Is that fair? Yes, sir. I would say so. I would say out of high school, never was really, never was talked to by a professional team. Had a couple walk-on spots at uh, small D1s and then uh, a couple JUCO offers. Took Panola and grinded my way to where I am today. And I would say I definitely made myself to what I am and had a lot of help from coaches and parents and family. But I would say you're exactly right. I was looking at the schedule and just, you know, at the top, it says like 37 days, five hours, however many minutes left. <laughs> I always appreciate that. Yes. The countdown days. I'm sure you've had it circled on your calendar for a while too. I know, you know, you guys had your fall ball and, and you're getting ready to gear up, but this is a, an exciting season for you and an important one. What do you want to tell, like, or what do you say to yourself now to kind of preserve this moment because life is going to change a lot come, you know, the summer, come this summer. What do you, what do you say to yourself now to preserve like this awesome moment that you have going on? Oh, I don't, like I said before, I would say have fun, live every day. Like, I mean, like I said before, you don't, you don't get to play baseball forever and you don't get to be an Aggie forever. So this year's big and I'm glad I get to do it with these group of guys. I mean, just, you just got to meet a whole group of new guys and go to war with them and, I would say live every moment and don't take anything for granted for sure. So a lot of new guys, but what about a name of someone who goes way back in time with you? You know, you mentioned your dad as your 12th man, but is there someone who plays in the big leagues now or is on another college team or in the minor leagues that has kind of helped 
be that guide for you? Uh, I would say I don't have anybody in my family. I'm the oldest baseball player right now, but uh, I would say I have some, I have a friend, his name is uh, Chad Dallas and me and him, we kind of been on the same path. We grew up together. He's from Orange, Texas, about 20 minutes away. And we played on the same little, little summer ball team or travel ball team whenever we were really little and grew up. We both, we both went to Panola together. We, wow. we both left our freshman year. He was the Friday night guy for Tennessee last year and he was drafted and now he's in the minor leagues and just calling and talking to him all the time and just knowing that we're on the same path. I would say that's a guy I can really look at and say that we've done it together for sure. Of course, your friend's name is Chad Dallas. Of course, it's <laughs> Dallas. Strapping young man, Chad Dallas on the mound. Hey, tell me about Addison. I, you just talked about her brains. I know she plays volleyball and plays it pretty darn well. Good athlete, good friend. Tell me about Addison. Addison is one of the best human beings alive. She is the sweetest thing, the smartest thing. And people tell me all the time, every time I'm home, to me and Blake, that she's the most athletic boast. So... <laughs> She's a great, amazing volleyball player, and she's a really good soccer player. Hopefully, she can stick with it this year. She's so. I mean, I could, I couldn't ask for a better sister for sure. That's awesome. Soccer. What position does she play? Uh, she plays uh, forward. So she's a goal scorer. And then uh, volleyball. What position? Uh, I don't know. I think she's. I think she can do it all. I think. Okay. She, yeah, I think we'll I accept know, that answer. I, I'm not That's a, fair. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not a big all positions all in volleyball, so I know she's back row and hitter and setter. I know she can do it all. So, okay, well said. If you could get check with her and get back with us, we'd appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> just just text us that. And, and your mom, Lorraine. I think I'd I'd like you through your words be introduced to her. Like we're all about to sit down and spend some time together. Please introduce your mom to me. Uh, my mom, uh, Lorraine Bose. She's a librarian at uh, Ridgewood Elementary. It's a it's a K through three school in Port Natchez. And she went to uh, Thomas Jefferson High School in Port Arthur when she was growing up. And she played tennis and was a cheerleader. And she met my dad in her senior year of high school. And she's amazing. I, like I said, I know I put my dad as my 12th man, but my mom, she could be right in that category too. She's mm -hmm. done so much for me. I couldn't ask. I don't know where I'd be without her. Anything I need outside of sports, just someone to call to help me with anything. She's always there and always willing to help me. So I would say she's definitely, she's another 12th man in my life. That's a great answer. I feel like the, the I don't know if Darren froze. He might've frozen. Oh, so I'm I mean, here. I'm just Oh, listening. you are? You're listening. I'm just listening. Oh, you, you're listening. Please don't you edit this out then. Please tell <laughs> me that, that this happened. I want this to go in there. Please don't edit this out. Anyway, Please. I my last question is uh, with the librarian, Darren. If you have a follow up, please do. But the librarian, um, it, do, like, do you have a favorite book? What's the What's the story behind? You know, you would come home and mom would make you read anything along those lines. So it was always AR points were big, so <laughs> I don't know if I had a I have a favorite book, but I would say if I have a book that I could pick to be my favorite, I read a really whenever I was growing up, I. I read all the small books, the little growing up books, but like I read a book about Chipper Jones because okay. my Papa Rising, my mom's dad, he always called me Chipper growing up. 
So he bought me this Chipper Jones book and it's about Chipper Jones life and him growing up and everything. And I would say that, I mean, that book, it really had a big part of my life and um, it's definitely my favorite book. I would say. You ever met Chipper? I've never met Chipper, but I would love to. Let's make that happen. Give, give <laughs> us, give us a couple of weeks. You tell us what position your sister plays. I'll do my best to connect you with Chipper. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Does, Sounds does that good. sound fair? Yes, okay. Sir. I mean, that's, I, I, I know people that know him. I can, I can go that far, you know, so does Danny though. And so do you though, but I, I think we can make that happen. If we hear back on that position, I will immediately go to work and we'll do a reuniting you and Chipper and you can ask him questions, right? What would you ask Chipper if you had a half hour with him? Um, I would say the million dollar question. What do you, what do you know now that you wish you knew 10 years ago? What do you knew now when that you wish you knew five years ago? Like, just getting picking his brain and seeing what I can learn from him. Why do I love that question so much? It's a great that, question. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. What's the toughest pitcher you ever faced? Like <laughs> you killed it. What a thoughtful question. Wow. Aaron's gonna stick that's that the in question his back of, That's the question a self-made baseball player would ask. That's what it is, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome, Austin. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, dude. Really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Have a great season. We look forward to watching all the good things you guys do out there. Yes, ma'am. Stay in touch. Thank you, Austin. Okay. Be See well. ya. Y'all. So let's take a moment to open up those Scouts notebooks in our Scouts Eyes segment. Of course, Vinny Servino does such a wonderful job keeping organized all of perfect game scouting, rankings, individual accomplishments at the college level. Here's Vinny taking a peek inside of his Scout notebook at the preseason perfect game top 40 in college baseball. The perfect game in Rawlings preseason top 25 is out and live, and leading the way at number one are the Vanderbilt Commodores. Tim Corbett has built Vanderbilt into one of the biggest programs in the country, and it's no surprise to see them at the top spot. Uh, and though while they do lose two big pieces in Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, they have more than enough talent to replace those guys, namely in the way of sophomores Patrick Riley and Christian Little, along with upstart freshman Carter Holton. The rest of the top five follows Texas, Stanford, LSU, and Notre Dame. Texas and Stanford were obviously both in Omaha a year ago, and Texas returns a bulk of that talent, while Stanford will lead the way with standout star outfielder Brock Jones, who looks to be a first-round pick this spring. LSU comes in at number four with their first year under head coach Jay Johnson, and they have a legitimate shot to be the best offense in the country. Jacob Berry is a star of the making after his dominant freshman year at Arizona, while Dylan Cruz looks to be a potential 1-1 pick in 2023. Notre Dame under Link Jarrett had their best season in recent memory in 2021 and looks to bring back a ton of that production from last year, missing only really Nico Cavadas and Tanner Kolhep to the draft. The rest of the top 10 is Mississippi State at 6, the national champions, North Carolina State at 7, TCU at 8, Arkansas at 9, and Ole Miss at 10. That gives the SEC 5 out of the top 10 teams of the country and 7 teams overall in their top 25 when counting Tennessee and Florida at 21 and 23 respectively. Some other storylines that the ECU is the highest mid-major team ranked at 13th in the country. They play in the American Conference, and they have one of the best pitchers in baseball in Carson Wisenhunt, who was a first-team All-American. Some other things to note is that there's two big West teams in the top 25, with UC Irvine at 20 and Long Beach State at 24. And Liberty, head of the A-Sun, made it at number 25. Be sure to stay tuned to Perfect Game for all your preseason college content, as we'll have a ton of it coming out over the next two months. Hey, this is Jared Goodwin, National Scouting Director for Perfect Game. Uh, thanks for having me on and just wanted to talk a little bit about us going into the Dominican Republic um, early in uh, 2022. 
we've we've actually gone to Dominican before, uh, run some kid camps, um, done some prospect type things, but never on this scale. We're bringing everything with us. We're gonna we're gonna do on field evaluations. We're gonna do testing, uh, tech, uh, metrics, everything that we do. In the mainland, we're we're actually going to go and we're going to take a full team to the Dominican and we're going to go to multiple locations. Um, with the CBA going on uh, right now, uh, the new CBA, there are a lot of moving parts when it comes to international and a lot of things that can change over the next few years. So going in and being able to put so many young uh, players from the Dominican Republic on a platform with player promotion and start building those uh, resumes and those profiles that um, the American kids have is going to be instrumental moving forward. Um, and it's going to be so cool to see uh, the development differences when it comes to that tech part and those metric parks from uh, kids that are currently in the Dominican training uh, every day for, for their goals and their dreams. And, and then seeing how they, uh, you know, how, what, what the strengths, differences, weaknesses, anything that, that could happen um, with the American kids, which we have so much data on. So it's going to be a really, really fun time. Uh, it's an awesome uh, event that's going to go on in multiple spots. And the amount of data collection and the player promotion that we're going to be able to, uh, to provide uh, is really groundbreaking. So we're as excited for this endeavor as, as anything we've done in, in recent memory. Another Scouts Eyes segment, this time Brian Sikowski. The preseason college All-Americans, the best players in the country, according to Perfect Game. Let's open up that notebook. It is college baseball preview season at Perfect Game. Uh, more or less every day for the next month, we're going to have some kind of collegiate preview for you, uh, whether that's the conference-by-conference conference previews that the entire scouting staff is involved in, uh, specific to D1 stuff. Uh, that's Vinny Servino's department. He heads up our college coverage. He does an incredible job. We're actually going to talk about one of his features today. Uh, it was the preseason collegiate All-Americans were released last week. Vinny and Craig Cozart did a fantastic job with it. Um, Jace Young is our preseason player of the year, the Texas Tech infielder, younger brother of Josh. Uh, both are, uh, Josh was a first rounder a couple years ago. Jace is going to follow right along in his footsteps this year. Parker Messick from Florida State, the preseason pitcher of the year. He was the ACC pitcher of the year last year. He's going to lead that seminal pitching staff that, that should take them pretty far, uh, into the postseason this year, just on paper. Uh, one of the things we do a little differently here at Perfect Game is prospect stock matters here. This is not all about performance. It's not all about numbers. Your prospect stock, your draft stock, your tool set, your uh, your scouting is what matters for us more so than anything else. Um, so you're gonna you see that reflected in our preseason and postseason lists uh, as they go along. Uh, but lots of heavy hitters on the first team preseason All-Americans. Lots of guys we expect to go in, in this year's first round. We talked about Jace Young. Daniel Susak, the catcher from Arizona. Brooks Lee, the shortstop from Cal Poly. The entire outfield. Gavin Cross from Virginia Tech. Chase DeLauder from James Madison. Brock Jones from Stanford. Jacob Berry from LSU is in the DH spot. These are all guys that we have first round grades on right now that we expect to go in the first round. Uh, really, really talented college class of bats. But on the flip side of that, college pitching right now, it looks a little bit down for this draft. Uh, lots of guys on here who have performed, but uh, we're still waiting to see them take the next step in terms of their stuff. Justin Campbell at Oklahoma State's a good example of that. We talked about Parker Messick. 
Andrew Taylor from Central Michigan, shout out to the Chippewas, my esteemed alma mater. He's a first-team preseason All-American, went 11-4 and with a 1-8-1 last year. Everybody saw Landon Sims pitching incredible out of the bullpen for Mississippi State on their national championship run a year ago. He is a first-team preseason All-American, and he's moving into the Friday night starter role. So that'll be interesting to see how he handles that. Uh, moving forward, it's a different sort of workload, as we know. And if he's able to handle that with success, he'll almost assuredly be a first-rounder. Uh, some more interesting names on the second team as we continue to go down the list. We all know Kevin Parada from Georgia Tech. We all know Enrique Bradfield from Vanderbilt. We all know Dylan Cruz from LSU. Very interesting names there. Hunter Barco leads the second-team pitchers. He's had a very good career at Florida, the former perfect game All-American. Um, Logan Tanner is on the third team, the Mississippi State catcher. That's a guy we expect to go in the first round. Robert Moore from Arkansas the same way. And everybody knows the captain, Tim Elko from Ole Miss, uh, the right-handed hitting longtime veteran. Really good season last year on one leg. Came back. He's going to do it all again. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch college baseball getting underway soon. Louisville didn't do everything they wanted to do last year, and this is a team that perennially goes to the College World Series. Hunter Pence loves getting inside the head of a college coach. And by the way, this show is a perfect game college baseball heard weekly on ESPNU, moving to a streaming platform where you're going to see Hunter's face a lot more, which is going to be fun. Great guest. But uh, here's a little bit of the slice of pie of perfect game college baseball. Hunter Pence and Louisville head coach Dan McDonald. And I can attest that a lot of times, um, you know, the teams that, that spend time together in my career always seem to play better. I don't, I don't understand it completely, but it is a culture and you've had such sustained success. I want to ask a little bit because uh, it was fun reading the fall report and it was fun reading that y'all got to get back to doing that and spending that time together. And then you come back and you have kind of a, a Sunday that, you know, is, is we'll call it a teaching moment. You know, they didn't play as good as you had hoped. What's the, you know, the response from the team after that? And what, what, what exactly do you feel like happened after we get the culture, we get the connection, the kids are tired, they don't play as good. Uh, I would like to hear kind of about that teaching moment and, and how they uh, accepted that. I think the challenge for baseball coaches and, and as we go to the convention, you know, everybody feels, feels good about themselves because you're optimistic. What we've missed so much is the, the experience of losing and that the NCAA has given us at least a couple opportunities to play in the fall. I hate losing, but it was very healthy um, because you, you come off of a tough year. Everybody's saying all the right things and everybody has the right intention. And then we felt like we got punched in the mouth uh, on that Sunday afternoon. And I felt like, okay, if I didn't have your attention before, I know I've got it now because that, that's a good team. And I thought they just outplayed us in a lot of areas that day. And I guess we split, if you want to call it that or whatever. But I just felt like, guys, when there's somebody in the other dugout, there's a fine line between winning and losing. And so I really felt like we were off to a good fall. We were, we were hitting the parts of connection and working hard. But when you feel like you lose on a given day, you know, I've always said winning mask deficiencies. When you lose, you address everything. And I felt like that was an opportunity where we really addressed a lot of things to help us have a much more productive second half of the fall. 
Yeah, Dan, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and you know, the, the saying in psychology is when we win, we celebrate. And then when we lose, we get to work, you know, like coming off of a bad year or you'll see these fluctuations. That's why consistency is one of the hardest things. And 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 this is something that I, I, I noted from 2011 when I was with the Phillies uh, to 2012 with the Giants. When you win a division early, it can be bad. And, and sometimes having a great first half can be bad. So how do you keep, let's say, um, I know I'm going a little bit on a tangent here, but when, when you are winning, how do you keep improving and not hiding the deficiencies versus like, you know, winning the right way and staying on that threshold? I think it's the greatest challenge we have Hunter in, in sports. And, and, and I go back to Pat Riley and some of the first coaching books I've ever read that anybody in the athletics world knows it's a challenge to be successful and get to the top. It's a whole nother level and an even more difficult challenge uh, to stay at the top, right? Like, you know, Coach Saban, what he does with that football program and how he, he used, right, the, the phrase rat poison that, that, you know, he's dealing with kids that are being glorified and being told how great they are. And with social media, with all the distractions out there, our program, man, we were on top of the world. I mean, we finished third in the country in 19. We're preseason number one in 20. Everything's going great. Um, and then COVID hits, but we still have two first rounders. We're preseason top five in 21. And you just assume everything's just going to go as normal. But if we've learned anything the last couple, couple years, there's a new normal. So, you know, in 2011, we hit a wall and we regrouped in 12 and went on about a nine year run. And so, you know, I told all those kids coming in this year, the freshmen, Hey, you're, you're the lucky ones. Cause you're coming in off of a tough year for Louisville baseball. So there's a, there's a boulder on our shoulder. There's an edge about this group. Uh, and it's been fun to kind of get back to the drawing board. And it started with me. It started with our coaching staff. And hopefully that culture kind of matriculated down to the players and the support staff. And, and not that this year is going to go perfect and smooth. I just feel like we're mentally in a much better place going into, uh, as we know, is always a, a challenging season ahead. Yes, Dan, we call that edge. You get a little edge with a little bit of that, 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 that pain. But I want to talk about another person who uh, a player on your team that looks like he's got a lot of edge. Uh, you know, highly touted out of high school. Um, you know, things didn't quite go as planned, but went went out this summer and and, and came in, and, and it looks like this fall looked incredible. As as Michael Prosecchi, I hope I said this name correctly. Uh, can can we hear a little bit of his story and how he came out this fall? Like a lot of college players, right? You go through some ups and downs, and in in twenty. Uh, Michael is a freshman midweek starter on the preseason number one ranked team in the country. And, and he's having, okay, he's not dominating, but he's giving up hits, but the ball's getting flipped to him for those three or four midweeks. And then COVID hits. And then he loses the development of going to the Cape Cod league. Then last year was his tough year. You know, that sophomore slump some ups and downs, had a little setback with his health and could just never get on track. And, and I'm glad you brought him up because I think he has the ultimate edge. I think the look in his eye, he got a lot of votes for being a team captain when we have a bunch of seniors and fifth year guys. He was a team captain 
for our Omaha Challenge event, and I'm I'm chomping at the bit. I think the pro world is is waiting. I think they're well aware that this kid could bust out this spring and become an everyday name on the scene. And and as you said at Hunter Edge, man, he he's got it. I love the look in his eye, and and when you shake his hand, sending him off for Christmas, I felt like man, Michael is in a good place. And when you ask him. Hey, Michael, what role would you like to pitch in? He, he does not care. I mean, whether it's the Friday night starter or the setup guy or the closer, he is hungry to get outs, and that's what we need. We need more pitchers right now hungry to get outs as, to that, as opposed to that culture of I want to be the Friday guy or I want to be the Saturday guy. I know Coach Williams is chomping at the bit to have a pitching staff just hungry to get outs. Loaded. That that's simple, a simple way to put it. It's a loaded podcast. And it's, you know, whether it's the first or second show of 2022, that's kind of a lot of debate early on. Either way, it's the most loaded show this year. It's kind of a nice little primer as we get closer and closer to the college season. You killed it with this one. Great guest, great scouts, great conversation Hunter had with Louisville head coach Dan McDonald. You killed it with this one. Thank you. We have a lot going on. It's exciting. 2022 is going to be a good year, not only for the amateur space, but the college space as well. And we just got to touch all the different points going on. But what I heard you do was tease a podcast in the open. And now I need to know exactly what you're talking about. I can't tell you a whole lot about it. We're still in negotiations with a bunch of parties, but I can tell you the name of the podcast. Ooh. Perfect Game presents 13 pieces of bubblegum. That's the name wow. of the podcast. So that's all I can tell you. I'm going to tell you it's going to be um, not replicating this podcast. We don't want to do that. This and your work is one of a kind. Totally different flavor. An eye a little bit on the history of the game, but through the amateur eyes, we're going to mix in, you know, some former current big leaguers with amateurs together. Uh, I'm not going to lose touch with amateurs. That's what I'll always fight for, because then what are we doing? But um, very different to this one. 13 pieces of bubble gum. Stay tuned for more information. That's I it. can't wait for that. That's awesome. Alternate, alternate. Danny releases her award-winning podcast. Boom. <laughs> the next week, 13 pieces of bubble gum. Boom. Amateur hour, 13 pieces of bubble gum. Amateur hour. We're just going to go back and forth. I hope everybody's ready for that. It sounds like a 13 pieces time. of bubble gum. Got I mean, it. Your logo is amazing, right? Your logo is incredible. Yeah. We're still working on the logo. I think we need to have gear four amateur hour and 13 pieces. Ooh. Um, I think we do. So this is, this has been double stuffed podcast. You, you broke news and we provided some laughs and a lot of love. So this is a good one. I, I'm going to need a break. I need a nap. I got to go. You, you came up with the name of this podcast, right? You did. I did. I did. I will take credit for the, <gasps> this other one. And if it fails, um, I'll still take the blame because I'm so good at taking the blame. I've made a career out of doing that. So yes, 13 pieces of bubble gum. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Listen, I love it. it drops. So stay First tuned. one will drop sometime mid-February. Okay. Stay tuned for that. We will try to continue to break news here. I'll try to give you more pieces about that podcast. All right. I love it. That's it. We're done. Yes. Download and like the, the second, second edition this year of 2022. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>